Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. We don't have an episode for you this week, but we did want to share an interview that our colleagues on the Jesuitical podcast conducted with Father Hans Zollner. Father Zollner is a German Jesuit priest, theologian, and psychologist. He's also president of the Center for Child Protection in Rome and one of the leading experts on sexual abuse working in the Catholic Church. We'll be back to our regular programming next week. In the meantime, you can subscribe and listen to Jesuitical by searching for Jesuitical in your podcast feeds or visiting jesuiticalshow.org. See you next week. Joining us in studio today is Father Hans Zoner, a German theologian and psychologist and one of the leading experts on sexual abuse working in the Catholic Church. Welcome to Jesuitical. Thank you. Welcome. So you were one of the four organizers of the February Summit on Sex Abuse. So how often, Father, do you hear from survivors? Yeah, I, I hear daily from survivors because there are a few of them who write to me day after day. Um, and it is very important for me um, for two reasons, that I have this constant contact with survivors from different parts of the world, from different countries and languages. Because one, you see that uh, uh, the work uh, needs to be continued uh, and we cannot let it go. We, we need to be relentless on that and uh, pushing forward. And a, a strong motivation comes from the stories that I listen to because... Like this person said yesterday, I want the church to be the church that Jesus Christ built and wanted it to be. So we need attention to the most vulnerable and who is more vulnerable than children. And secondly, because many of those survivors promise to pray for me and for all what we do in the Center for Child Protection of the Gregorian University. How did you get started in this work? What motivated you to do this? Okay, I'm a licensed psychologist and psychotherapist, and when I studied psychology, we, we learned about psychopathology, including pedophilia, which is one part of sexual violence against minors, the most grievous one, because it concerns prepubescent children. Uh, but in 2010, the avalanche, the tsunami of, of news broke uh, in Germany first and then in other parts of, of Europe. And from that moment on, I got uh, involved in this basically full-time. Why? Because I thought that uh, the, everything was concentrated uh, on the past, uh, uh, on um, on the cases that have to be dealt with, the allegations and so forth. And that is true, of course. We need to do whatever we can do to do justice to victims. But n nobody, at least at that time, spoke about what can we do, what needs to be done today to prevent further abuse today and for the future. So we set up the Center for Child Protection at the Gregorian University. And um, yeah, this is how I, I came to this topic. So your work is centered on implementing reforms that prevent abuse from going on into the future. So these are, are, are these like very technical, managerial, legal recommendations or? Okay, we started off with an educational program that was developed by a German State University Department for Psychiatry. And we set up the Center for Child Protection with the help of the Archdiocese of Munich's funds for um, spreading an e-learning program, a blended learning approach that is an online-based education for church personnel worldwide in how do I detect abuse, what are the signs and symptoms, how do I approach victims, what do I do with the perpetrators, um, how do I build a secure institution. 
So, um, as to your question, it is a, a multifaceted and interdisciplinary approach. So you need to consider this phenomenon from different uh, ang uh, angles, like law, psychiatry, psychology, therapy. Uh, you need also, within the church context, to consider uh, theological and spiritual questions when it comes to how victims feel and perceive the, the church and their perpetrators. Can you say more about the that last part? What about the spiritual and theological things do we need to pay attention to? Yeah, first and, uh, first and foremost, you need to realize that an abuse by a priest, and especially a Catholic priest, uh, for uh, for many people, and especially, I mean, for, for victims, but not only for victims, um, is so uh, grievous and is more difficult to bear than the abuse by a sports trainer or a psychologist or a policeman or a public school teacher, uh, that uh, the specificity of, of this kind of abuse is that um, the trust in God and the trust in, in the church is potentially shaken or destroyed. Because for whatever reason, um, people expect that Catholic um, priests um, uh, live up to a higher standard than other people and, and, uh, and that they incarnate trust. Uh, and when that is destroyed by these horrible acts and crimes, um, uh, many victims share, like the person with whom I met yesterday, share that their faith in God is gone. And, and this is something that we in the church have to realize uh, and very often, unfortunately, that was forgotten or was not paid attention to enough. Uh, this element, um, which includes not only the abuse itself, but also the, the institutional response. Many victims tell me that they were more hurt by the cold, um, defensive response uh, by the church authorities and church mm -hmm. leaders uh, rather than by the abuse itself. So when, it, pe when people say things like, oh, it happens in other parts of society too, they found that uh, more hurtful in a lot of ways sometimes. Yes, um, this element is something that uh, for many victims, for many secondary victims, means friends, family, uh, colleagues, uh, parishes, dioceses that are hurt by uh, the abuse in, the, in a second degree. This is the, the most destructive feature because a priest represents Christ. And when a priest does something good, he represents Christ in the good. If he commits a crime, it seems for many that he represents also Christ as uh, committing a crime almost. Uh, so, and, and when the church doesn't own the issue, uh, we, um, we, we are uh, somehow siding uh, with the evil. And this is something that goes against the mission, the fundamental orientation of the gospel. What have you heard um, from survivors about what they think about Pope Francis's track record on this? Um, you say that they've before encountered leaders who don't listen, and Pope Francis has put an emphasis on that. Are people responding well to his approach or... Yeah, of course, there is a mixed picture. Um, from those people with whom I am in contact regularly, I hear that they are very happy about uh, his take on, on, on the whole issue. Um, and I can personally testify uh, that, that he is marvelous in meeting people who have suffered and also victims of abuse. I was present in 2014 
when he had invited to his house six survivors of abuse, two English, two Irish, and two Germans, and I was present as a translator when he met with the two Germans. And I, I can tell here, what I've said also in other occasions, that he is very present to the persons, he is very empathetic. He took the one person who was completely enraged and out of himself, uh, as well as the other person who was very calm, uh, smiled at him and, and shared with him also her spiritual journey. So he was, he was able, without knowing what he would expect um, in such a meeting, he was able to, to stay there for 45 minutes each, uh, for each in, uh, meeting um, and, and be for all the time completely present there. So he has a very unique capacity to stay with the suffering, the hurt, and with the inner life of a person. I, what would you say to, I, I think I hear this a lot from uh, Americans and often from survivors, that they're, they're impatient with the, the speed in which change happens in the church, um, even from, from someone like Francis and how he changes in the way he deals with things. Yeah, I'm, I'm also impatient. I would have expected that we had some concrete measures earlier, uh, before the meeting, during the meeting, and after the meeting in February. I know that the things will come out, but it is too, too slow also for the public. Um, Do you think the Vatican understands that, that the public is, it, it, the, the rate they're moving is too slow for what the public expects? Now, this is my point. Uh, the rate is too slow, certainly for Germans and for U.S. Americans, but the rate is not too slow for Italians, Spaniards, Africans, and Asians. Mm -hmm. The Pope's concern is also to bring the whole church on board, to convince um, um, bishops around the globe, even those who were very defensive until recently, even those who were in denial until very recently, to take on the issue. And this is very difficult to bear for victims, that is very difficult to bear for faithful in America or in, in Central Europe, because we, we have been dealing with this for years, you for three decades uh, in, in Central Europe now, nine years only, yeah. mm -hmm. but uh, still people are uh, really disappointed. And I, I fully understand that. And I share this also, at least to some extent, but I also see from my on my travels uh, to 60 countries on, on five and six continents, uh, that if you want to have the Catholic Church on board fully, you need also to take into account other perceptions, other uh, way of of uh, proceeding, and and I think this is one concern that he has. Hmm. So, Father, we we've one of the things that we've found it kind of difficult to be constantly discussing the sex abuse crisis, and we've been doing it for almost a year since the news broke last summer. But you've been doing this work for more than a decade. How do you prevent this work from damaging your mental or spiritual health? Yeah, um, I I think the the most important part is prayer. Secondly, um, many of those victims with whom I'm uh, in contact promise, write, declare that they are praying for me and for the work of the CCP, the Center for Child Protection. This is extremely important for me. And, and some of them have, uh, have shared with me their most intimate interior journey and, and prayer life. And this is something invaluable uh, and great for me. Thirdly, I do some sport. Uh, fourthly, <laughs> I, I like to be with my friends, and um, and this is uh, what sport? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I do uh, cycling and mountain hiking. Um, and uh, yeah, the, this just really, uh, being in nature for me yeah. uh, and walking in nature is, is very relaxing. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. We will also now be praying for you too. Um, we do have one last question that we ask all of our guests. If you could canonize one person, living or dead, Catholic or not, who would it be and why? I think I would canonize um, one survivor of abuse uh, who has shared with me that um, after having gone through hell, literally, in her life, um, with all kinds of uh, further abuse uh, of conscience, not in the church, and uh, difficulties in relations and, 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 their jo and her job and so forth, and trying to commit suicide a number of times, uh, she told me, she confided to me that she is still here on this uh, earth because she had thirsted to return to Jesus Christ. And uh, and she, she found him again after 50 years after the abuse had taken place uh, in, in a way that is deeply moving and deeply... Um, consoling or um, edifying for me and uh, this is somebody who I would propose for canonization wow. well thank you so much for the work that you're doing and there's survivors you're listening to um, thank you for all of this yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you, you. thank you